Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 264, where today we'll continue into the book of Revelation. Now, as we get further into Revelation, remember, Revelation is a highly symbolic book. It uses a lot of symbols, a lot of things that are metaphors for other things. And uh, Revelation, I find, is one of those books where you have to go back and, and read and study and look up references and, and whatnot to try to get a gist of what is trying to be uh, trying to be communicated here, because it can be it can be unclear at times, and so um, and even when you do that, you probably have to end up repeating it and doing it over and over again to to get a feel for what John is writing and the visions that he was shown. And so uh, I certainly have found myself in that position over the past 25, 30 years or so, trying to get a grasp of uh, of revelations and still trying to do so. So with that, let's get started. We're in chapter 11. It says the two witnesses. And it says, uh, go and measure the temple of God in the altar and count those who worship there. And so, you know, temple here can be a metaphor for the church. And so it says measure, go, go um, claim the church, go measure, go, go protect the church. It says go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count those who worship there. I believe this is saying this, go and look out for the believers, you know, because it says in verse two, but exclude the uh, courtyard outside the temple. Don't measure it because it is given to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. Now, 42 months is three and a half years. And so we see here that the time of the great tribulation is seven years, but it seems to be broken down in two, three and a half year segments, two, three and a half year periods. I'm not exactly sure which, which period this is, but anyway, um, it's saying uh, go and basically watch out for my people. But those outside the walls, those in the courtyard, those aren't my people. And it says uh, that's given to the nations and they will trample the holy city for three and a half months or three and a half uh, years, 42 months. Then it says, I will grant my two witnesses authority to prophesy for 1260 days dressed in sackcloth. 1260 days is three and a half years. And so I'm assuming this is the same three and a half year period. Now, um, there's speculation that these two witnesses are Elijah and Moses. First of all, Elijah never tasted death, you see, and Moses's body was never found. And so God hid his body. And so, you know, speculation has been uh, that, that these two witnesses that God uh, protected or kept these two witnesses for this time. Now, what is this time anyway? Because again, in Revelation, uh, some of these things occurred in Old Testament times, some of these things occurred in New Testament times, and some of these things occurred between New Testament times and now, or back, you know, when Jesus walked the face of the earth and now, and some of these things haven't taken place yet. And sometimes it's not very clear <laughs> what time period uh, John is referring to here. Maybe he didn't even know. Then it says in verse 4, about the two witnesses, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. Huh. Uh, let's go into verse 6. It says, uh, they have authority to close up the sky so that it does not rain during the days of their prophecy. They also have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague whenever they want. Now, this sounds eerily like Elijah and Moses 
as far as uh, things that they've already done. Uh, Mo, uh, Elijah prophesied a drought. And so, and this is what happened. And then Moses, we know, had the water turned into blood, and he also bought, uh, brought every plague on Egypt as he was trying to get his people to be freed. And so, is this referring to things that have already occurred? Possibly. Or is this referring to something in the future that just resembled things that occurred in the past? I, I don't know. It says the witness is murdered in verse seven. When they finish their testimony, the beast that comes up um, out of the abyss will make war on them, conquer them and kill them. Their bodies or their dead bodies will lie in the main street of this of the great city, which fig figuratively is called Sodom in Egypt. And so these are symbolic Sodom and Egypt are, are symbolic of of evilness. And it says that their bodies will lie in the main street of these symbolic evil cities. And it says in some uh, or territories, I should say, and some of the people's tribes, languages and nations will view their bodies for three and a half days. Does that mean three and a half days or does that mean three and a half years? I, I don't know. <laughs> for three and a half days and not permit their bodies um, to be put in a tomb. So I'm assuming this means three and a half li literal days, but I don't know. In verse 10. Those who live on the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and send gifts to one another because these two prophets had tormented those who live on earth. So so these two prophets who are, are doing nothing but preaching and prof, um, prophesying righteousness and holiness and whatnot. We see the world's response uh, when they get executed. They will give each other gifts. You know, at Christmas time, we give each other gifts to celebrate the birth of Christ. They're going to give each other gifts and celebrate each other because these two guys who spoke righteousness were executed. The witness is resurrected in verse 11. It says, but after three and a half days, the breath, uh, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet. Great fear fell on those who saw them. So you can imagine they were celebrating, giving gifts and whatnot because they were dead. And all of a sudden now they see that they're alive. And so it says great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. They went up to heaven in the cloud while their enemies watched them. So their enemies saw them ascend into heaven like Jesus when he ascended into heaven. There were witnesses that saw that. And it says that there will be witnesses that watch them as they ascend into heaven. Verse 13, it says, At that moment, a violent earthquake uh, took place. A tenth of the city fell, and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. The survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. So we can see here that in these times of tribulation, as things roll out and take place, there seems to be still opportunity for people to come to God, even amidst the great persecution that the, that the believers are going to suffer. We see here that the unbelievers are still, that there are unbelievers in this time that are still turning. Then it says in verse 14, the second woe has passed. Take note, the third woe is coming soon. So they've endured the second woe. So now they're going to have to endure the third woe. Well, uh, which I would presume is the uh, second three and a half year period. Then it says the seventh trumpet, the sixth trumpet has already sounded. Now the seventh trumpet is about to sound in verse 15. 
The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there was a loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And so we see here that at the blowing of the seventh trumpet, it heralds in the coming of Christ. See, now is this the first coming or the second coming? I'm not clear. (laughs) Then it says on verse 16, the 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones uh, fell face down and worshiped God saying, we give you thanks, Lord God, the almighty who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. He's talking to Jesus. And then it says in verse 18, the nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward uh, to your servants, the prophets, to your servants, the prophets, to the saints, and to those who fear your name, both uh, small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. Now, in, in some of my research and reading, this is referring to the Old Testament Jews. Okay, it says, with regard to the time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, referring to the Old Testament prophets, to the saints, the Old Testament, you know, judges and people who believed, and to those who fear your name, both uh, great and small. Now, could that also have some elements of being applicable uh, to, to uh, believers in Christ? It could be. You know, again, to me anyway, it's not clear. Then it says in verse 19, Then the temple of God in heaven was open, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings rumblings and peals of thunder, an earthquake and severe hail. So that was the response. Um, Let's see. The temple of God in heaven was open and the ark. Okay. So when the temple of God, uh, uh, when the temple of God in heaven was opened up, I guess the doors were open and then um, the ark of the covenant appeared and then the heavenly forces had this response, flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder and earthquake and severe hell. I guess this uh, ushers in um, uh, extreme power, I would assume. Then we go on to chapter 12. It says, the woman, the child, and the dragon. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. So a great woman, uh, a woman clothed with the sun, moon. This is referring to uh, to Israel, with a crown of 12 stars on her head, referring to the 12 tribes of Israel. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. She was pregnant. The nation of Israel was pregnant with Jesus and about to give birth to Jesus. Then it says in verse three, then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven crowns. This is referring to Satan. And that's in verse three. Then it says in verse four, Uh, Its tail, Satan's tail, swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And so this is in reference to the um, uh, a third of the angels defected from God and went with Satan. And it says that they were thrown down to the earth and the dragon stood in front of the uh, in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. Now, 
I believe all of this is taking place in the heavenlies, it seems like, before they take place in earth. Because I believe, and again, there doesn't seem to be total universal agreement on this, that this is referring to, uh, or I should say when this is referring to, when the angels were cast out of heaven down to the earth, uh, was before Adam fell. Okay? That's what some believe. Some believe that this took place when Jesus or after Jesus was resurrected on earth. So I don't know. <laughs> and it says in verse five, it says, she gave birth to a son, a male who was going to rule all nations with an iron rod. <clears throat> that doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? But anyway, uh, her child was caught up um, to God and to his throne. Then it says in verse six, the woman fled... The woman fled into the wilderness where she had uh, a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1260 days. So again, that's a three and a half year period. Now, this could represent the second three and a half year period uh, of of tribulation where Jews um, are being nourished by God and they come to a place in mass of receiving Jesus as the Messiah. That seems to be the implication here. Again, seems the dragon thrown out of heaven. Verse seven, then war broke out in heaven. Yeah, I guess this everything apparently is not peace and tranquility in heaven, at least not at this time. It says then war broke out in heaven. And again, this could be referring to before the fall of man, before Adam. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought. But the dragon could not prevail. So the dragon could not overcome the archangel Michael and his forces. And there was no place uh, for them in heaven any longer. So apparently they tried to rebel against God, uh, Satan and his, his angels. They couldn't overcome Michael and his angels. And therefore, as a result, there was no longer a place for them in heaven. And then it says in verse, um, in verse 9, so the great dragon was thrown out. The ancient serpent who was called uh, the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to the earth and his angels with him. <clears throat> then it says in verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who, who accuses them before God night and day has been thrown down. Huh. So again, the timing, I'm not sure. It says they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Who is the they that's being spoken about? It could be the believers at the time of Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. That seems to be the implication here. Okay. <laughs> and that they did not love their lives even unto death. Okay. It says in verse 12, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. And so the implication here is that when the devil is thrown down, he can only do what God allows him to do. He knows that his time is short. He has an idea of God's timetable. And therefore, he's going to wreak as much havoc as he can because he knows that his time is short. 
Then it says the women persecuted in verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. So he persecuted, you know, who he persecuted the Jews. He persecuted the Israelite nation, you know, and, and, and some believe that part of this persecution was in World War II in the Holocaust. Then it says in verse 14, the woman was given two wings uh, of a great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent's presence uh, to her place in the wilderness where she was nourished for a time, times and half a time. I think that means three and a half years, but I'm not sure. But it says that she was nourished for that time. And that three and a half years, that could be symbolic if that means three and a half years. You know, that could be symbolic. That could mean three and a half decades. You know, that could mean 350 years. You know, I don't know. Then it says in verse 15, from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river flowing out, uh, flowing after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. So it says, from his mouth, the serpent spewed water. Water came out of the serpent's mouth so that it could uh, uh, wash away the woman in a flood, uh, verse 16. But the earth helped the woman. So, you know, God's uh, divine providence started to intercede. It said, but the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river that the dragon has spewed from its mouth. <clears throat> verse 17. So the dragon was furious with the woman. So he tried to uh, kill a woman, drown the nation, if you will, just like God did in the times of Noah. Tried to drown the woman, but unlike the times of Noah, God opened the earth and swallowed the, swallowed the river. So the uh, dragon became furious with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus. The devil is at war with Christian believers because <clears throat> he was furious that God saved the woman who gave birth to Jesus. And so now the devil is going after the children, the believers of Jesus, all for retribution, re revenge, to get back at God, for casting them out of heaven. <clears throat> Let's go to chapter 13. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. The sea here represents Gentiles. So he says, I saw a beast coming out of the sea. So a person amongst the Gentiles is going to arise. I do believe this is referring to the future. It says, it had 10 horns and seven heads. On its horns were 10 crowns, and on its head uh, were blasphemous names. The dragon, gave the, beast, uh, the dragon gave the beast his power, his throne, and great authority. So Satan is going to uh, rise up, <clears throat> uh, a Gentile, and he's going to adorn that person with power. He's going to give him a throne and give him great authority. Then it says in verse 3, One of its heads appeared to be fatally wounded, but its fatal wound was healed. So whoever this person is that, that has arisen um, uh, uh, to be a minion of the devil, <clears throat> I guess is going to be injured in some kind of way, but he's going to recover. And then it says the whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. So this must have been something miraculous, right? And so maybe it was something where it was a fatal injury and he came back or maybe he even died and came back. I don't, I don't know. I doubt he died, though, because that would prove that he had power over death, and he doesn't. So uh, I, I guess he was near death, but then he got healed. 
Then it says in verse 4, it says, uh, well, the whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. In verse 4, they worshiped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. See, so whoever this person is, it's obvious to the rest of the world that he's getting his power from Satan. And so therefore, people's response is to start worshiping Satan, openly worshiping Satan. Got a lot of people that that worship Satan right now in the closet, under the covers. Some people are out in public, but not very many. But this is saying here essentially that the whole earth, those remaining on the earth, they're going to be doing this. And they worship the beast saying, and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against it? So they're going to start, you know, worshiping Satan, but then they're going to look at, at, at his offspring. Now notice the parallel, right? Satan being analogous to God, the beast kind of being analogous to Jesus. Okay. And so they're going to start uh, worshiping Satan. And then because of that, they're going to worship the beast or this Gentile person that has been anointed by the beast. Then it says in verse five, the beast was given a mouth to utter boasts and blasphemies. So he's going to start mocking and coming again openly against God, Jesus, Christians, whatever. But notice what it says. It says it being the beast, it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months, for three and a half years. It was allowed to do this. It began to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. And it was permitted, we see again, he's given permission, and it was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. It was also given authority, again, it was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Now, let's go back here. Verse 7. It was, it was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. That troubles me when I read it. It was, it was permitted to wage war against the saints. Okay. But also given permission to conquer them. Wow. It was also given authority over, well, over every tribe, people, language, and nation. It's the same thing that uh, Satan offered Jesus when he came out of the wilderness. He says, you know, everything you see, I'll give it to you. And Jesus says, no. And, and so, but that's not what's happening here. And so even though he's re he requires permission, uh, negative, bad things are going to come on believers at that time. I'm going to say something about that in a, in a second here. It says in verse 8, all those who live on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name, or I should say, all those who live on the earth will worship it. That is, except for, it doesn't say that in the word, I'm adding that, except for, essentially is what it's saying, everyone whose name not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slaughtered. And so it says, all those who live on the earth will wor worship it. Everyone whose name th that was not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And so if your name is not in the book of life, <laughs> then you will worship it. But the implication is those whose names are written in the book of light, uh, in the book of life will not worship the beast. Verse nine, if anyone has ears, let him listen. If anyone is to be taken captive into, into captive, he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. 
This is speaking of the persecution of the believers at that time. If it is, if it is to be that those who are destined to go to jail, they will go to jail. They will go to prison. If it is to be that they are to be martyred because of me, then they will be murdered. And then the word says, this calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. You better believe it does. You know, you see in your loved ones and fellow believers uh, get captured and go into prison. You see those same uh, sort of people being executed, probably publicly. Yeah, it calls for endurance and faithfulness. It says the beast from the earth. In verse 11, then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. The earth represents the promised land. And so this is going to be a Jew. So then I saw another beast coming from, uh, from the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast, of the first beast on its behalf and compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound uh, was healed. Now, if we look at this, this again, so this is very interesting. So we have the dragon, we have the beast of the sea and the beast of the land, the dragon being Satan, the beast of the sea being a Gentile, the beast of the land being a Jew. And here, the beast of the land being a Jew is kind of representative of the Holy Spirit. So we have an unholy trinity here that, 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 that tries to duplicate the holy trinity. So we have Satan, we have the first beast and the second beast. You know, the first beast kind of representing Jesus, the second beast kind of representing the Holy Spirit. So he's trying to mock or copy what God has instituted. Verse 13, it also performs great signs Uh, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. It deceives those who live on earth because the signs uh, that, excuse me, it deceives those who live on earth because of the signs that it is permitted to perform. Again, it's permitted to perform these things, has to get permission. That it is permitted to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who live on earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword yet lived. And so, it's telling people to make idols of the beast, to make idols of you know, what would in the Holy Trinity be Jesus. And so this would be the Holy Spirit telling people to make idols of Jesus only on the unholy side. Then it says in verse 15, it was permitted to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever uh, would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So again, we're seeing that the true believers are going to be persecuted. In verse 16, it says, And it makes everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, being what people do and what people think, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of its name. And so this indicates that true believers will not be able to participate in the economy at that time, because the only people who will allow, who will be allowed to buy or sell so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name or the number of its name. And then it says in verse 18, this calls for wisdom. You know, to navigate this, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who is understanding calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a person. 
Its number is 666. Now, nobody really knows what this means. What this means. I've read a lot of commentary. I've read a lot of things. There's a lot of different thought, a lot of different theology. Nobody really knows what this means. See, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a person. Its number is 666. That's what, you know, John wrote. That's what the word says. But what it means, in my opinion, is a mystery to mankind at this time. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some people who know what this means, but I couldn't find anything that gave me any revelation with regard to what this really means. That made sense to me. So anyway, with that, uh, we are finished with today's episode. We'll pick it up in episode 265 tomorrow in Revelation chapter 14. As we go through these things, never forget, never, ever, ever forget that Jesus is constantly sending out an invitation. And if you've already accepted his invitation, I know for a fact that there are family members or associates or loved ones or whatever who have not. And so we are all uh, compelled to share the gospel. That gospel being that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, The word says that you shall be saved. We evaluate everything in our present life by the status of our physical life. But the word presents to us that there is another life after this physical uh, physical life has expired. And do you want to enter that realm? Do you want to have access to eternal life? Is essentially the question that's being asked. Everybody stay safe. Be blessed. Keep your eyes uh, fixed on Jesus. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.